Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Frontier Beyond Fear. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, April 22nd, 2023. And for those of you who listen live, I'm actually starting the program an hour later than expected or than the usual time. This show normally broadcasts live Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio. Happy Earth Day. Um, for those of you who happened to catch my very spontaneous program yesterday, I've already started the reflections on what we're called to be reflecting about on this Earth Day and on every day, which may seem a cliche because we've heard that so many times, Earth Day is every day, but it is indeed True. And what I feel called to reflect upon is really considering our relationship with the earth. Far too often, we have been led to see the earth as something to be used by humanity, objectified, pillaged, here to serve. Although it is true that we are meant to be here in balance and that there are wonderful things that are a part of this planet that absolutely are here in service we are also in service to the earth. You cannot believe in an omnipresent divine without also considering that the divine is part of everything that is and this very planet. We have much to study with respect to the actual sentience of the earth, something that is often dismissed or considered a superstition. We have much to learn about sentience in general, about who we are and how we are all connected because you cannot believe in the omnipresent, loving, divine without considering how we are inseparable from all that is and from this beautiful place, which is a miraculous place that we live. Love is omnipresent, and we are called to show our love for the earth. We are called to respect the living beings that are on the planet with us. Yes, humanity has certainly risen to both heights and fallen to depths. And What we are most of all called to do is find a space of balance. I have said many times that I feel that 
humanity in its race to keep expanding and and um, developing materially without taking the space to breathe. In fact, today I had a lesson in breathing space. I could have rushed to start this program on time, but it was, I had unexpected things I was involved in, work that I'm involved in, um, people that I help who are also needing to get some messages out regarding the earth. I didn't need to rush. So I went ahead and delayed it, and I gave myself some welcome breathing space. Humanity never takes the time. The, the humanity that races ahead, always looking for the next form of material development, expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding, and now we look to expand because we've, you know, we don't have enough room here anymore. We've used up too many resources here on the planet, so now we need to go to others too. Without ever doing the work that we need to do within, without ever doing the breathing work, the mindfulness work, the spiritual work, without considering what spiritual development actually is and in fo focusing instead almost exclusively and even derisively with regards to other types of development, racing ahead solely with material development without considering the recklessness of how that impacts the planet and how it has impacted the planet. And the irony of all ironies is when a species is caught up in that kind of reckless race, always trying to develop some new weapon, always dominating one another or attempting to, even while we attempt to dominate the earth, thinking that it's here just to do whatever we like, and some things are not restorable. The forests are gone, that are gone. When you see the pictures of those who cut them down, and this is still going on, certainly, um, they don't care. They only care about their own um, immediate needs their own race, and they're not happy, and they certainly don't show any love for the planet. We've taken many wrong turns from the beginning. I believe this is a soul journey for humanity, that our story will be written into the Akash, which is the record, however you choose to call it, that word may not be meaningful to you, but the record of our lives and our story, it matters. Every moment is recorded and remembered, and we will learn from what we've learned. We'll compare notes, no doubt. There, this is a vast universe and also a multiverse, and there are many planets. And there is plenty of evidence that those that do not live in balance with their world, either don't survive, which is a hasty conclusion, but that can be very possible, or they learn. They learn how to find that spiritual balance. Perhaps something changes. I hadn't checked it, but at last word, there's quite a solar flare setting itself up for Sunday night into Monday. Anyone who's studied the Carrington event, and I hadn't seen that it would be that bad, even though there was a, a kind of a coincidental um, prediction that something might happen during this time. And I don't necessarily feel that, but and I also feel that we are very likely protected because I don't think about things materially, but the earth is here as long as it's meant to be here, or humanity on the earth. But the interesting thing is we've made ourselves vulnerable. As much as industrialization has given us many 
wondrous gifts, it has also taken away our survival skills and our ability to thrive because we're like babies. We're dependent on so many things. We don't know how to make our own way anymore. So if a big solar flare came, like when the Carrington event event happened, which was um, in September 1859, um, they hadn't developed electricity to um, this extent. I mean, they had stories of how the telegraph wires literally were aflame. And um, basically, if one hit it, it would blow out circuits. It would cause things to, it would literally run a current through electrical objects that are not connected. That's what happened. That's what happened with the telegraph, that um, they were able to run without any battery power. Can't even imagine how catastrophic it would be. Would the humanities that arises from those ashes, should that occur, would they develop differently or would they once again start the race of dominating one another? Sadly, and maybe in pockets we would learn, but sadly we would probably start that reckless journey yet again of attacking one another, dominating one another, and just taking whatever we can from the planet with no respect whatsoever. We need to change the way we think, and yet here we are. This is a challenging topic because it's not like we can go backwards. There very well is another timeline where we never did do all these things on the planet. And yes, we are learning something on this one. However, we can't go back unless set back somehow. We're here now. And many of the things that are being proposed to supposedly change how we are, they're not going to help us. Um, Having all these batteries, Um, Here's a really good example. If you look at any large parking lot, obviously there is no way we do not have the electricity nor the capacity to take the minerals out of the ground nor the capacity to dispose of what will be toxic elements. I mean, what we are racing towards going to harm us even more. I just saw a story just yesterday about some solar panel array was um, was canceled up in Canada because of harm to birds. And the same thing is true of these giant wind farms, not to mention we're seeing evidence that they impact the whales and other wildlife. We are in a reckless, reckless race now to sustain a way of being that will just cause even more harm. We'll we'll cut down more of the rainforest. We'll pillage the earth even more and poison it even more. Or maybe we'll do more nuclear development. They've been saying that they want to use nuclear power for rockets now. Great. Well, I'm sure it's who knows how big, but what about, you know, the elements there? What are the risks? We do not think. We are so materially focused. We never learn our lessons. And most of these things are being driven forward by industrial interests. The money-making impulse has been with us a very long time. And there are other solutions that could have been developed a long time ago, but because of industrial interests shutting them down, that hasn't happened. We need to change, and we need to stop pretending. We need to stop pretending, because there's a lot of pretending going around on these topics. We need to really reflect on what our role is going to be. This is a part of loving the earth, is coming to terms with the truth of what we're racing towards, this impossible future 
which will very likely never come to be. I don't believe these solutions are going to work. So what then? We need to develop our inner selves. I was talking to someone the other day about, or just yesterday I think this came up, is because healing works, healing does work. Many of us have seen evidence of miraculous things, not to mention being in nature some very, very statistically improbable, miraculous things can happen when you quiet yourself and you are out in nature and interacting with nature. Why do we not ever think that the possibility of miraculously healing the earth is not possible? If we can heal, the earth can heal. Now, the rainforest, the beautiful, beautiful, pristine forests that were in most so many different lands, even, you know, we don't often talk about the Pacific Northwest, but Europe, how do you think they built those big cathedrals? There were beautiful forests in Europe. We have always thought that that was our role, to cut down the forest, because we just kept expanding. We just kept racing towards a future we didn't even know, that is not progress. That is not advancement. Advancement is developing yourself within, developing societies that are mindful and respectful, developing societies that actually learn how to work with miracles, literally miracles, the non-material world. The materialist mindset is doing irreparable damage to this planet. But it is, well, I just said irreparable, materially irreparable. Eventually, if we were gone, if you've seen one of those shows, How Earth Rejuvenates Itself, um, there used to be a show after humanity, something like that, and they showed that. And it's astonishing how even if the nuclear plants melt down and everything, that the Earth has a way over time of healing in its own way, regenerating itself. But I am talking about genuine miracles because that's what this show is about. That's what we have observed. So many of us have observed the miracles that are possible, that cannot be explained by the materialist paradigm, statistically so improbable, things that can be shown and proven and studied. But we don't place our emphasis there because of the materialistic dominance on the planet. Our time isn't over yet. We do have a chance many chances. Miracles are possible. I should have tagged the program with healing. Healing is possible. I'd like you to reflect on your childhood. Some place that you remember, doesn't matter where you were, you may have been in the middle of a city some space of beauty. It could be a park. It could be a flower. It could be a lilac bush. It could be a trip that you took. It could be a beautiful place. It could be the mountains. You could be on the seashore. Wherever this space is, send love and feel the love in return. Breathe. Feel the love. Send love. Imagine this planet encompassed in healing light. We need to change the way we think about things. Remember the joy that you felt just looking at a dandelion or 
you know, when I was a child, I played with all kinds of little things in the yard, little seed pods I would collect and sticks or whatever. It didn't matter. Even leaves were something to play with for me. Actually, many of us played in the leaves. Sadly, childhood has changed because of the digital age. Those things did start to develop. I mean, we started to have very simple video games when I was an older child. I remember when Pong came out, the famous game, and some of the others. But we still knew how to play outside and appreciate the outdoors. We can rediscover that. If I can encourage anything, it's to get out into nature and just be. Find a place to sit. Go to a park and sit on the bench, literally. You know, that's mocked is what are you doing sitting on a park bench? That's exactly where you should be. Or even out in a more wild area in the wilderness. Find a place to be. Do you have a patio? Do you have a balcony? Do you have a yard? Don't stay cooped up inside. Look up at the sky, look at the clouds, look at the sunrise, look at the sunset. We may be seeing spectacular auroras coming up. In fact, that much is probably guaranteed from this solar flare coming. I haven't heard the latest, so, um, but as of last night, it appeared that it could be generating that and could have an impact. They were not saying it would be catastrophic, but strong. We're so quick to praise things like rocket development. And we had a bit of a, um, well, it's really part of testing, and that is true. Um, Anyone who knows the history of the space program knows that part of trying is also this part worked and that part didn't work. In fact, I've been involved in lots of software and different things, and that's certainly a part of developing any kind of software. It's really a part of learning anything. You're going to stumble sometimes, but what did you learn? In fact, if we look at our Earth experience that way, that is a powerful way to consider it, that we are learning. There's always purpose. There's always purpose for all existence, for our presence here. I'm going to pause my thoughts for a short while here, and I'd like to read some things, as I've often done on this show. I picked a few things ahead of time. I may find some more. These are, okay, the first one that seems to want to be read. This is by Ralph Waldo Emerson in his essay, Nature, from 1803 to 1882. He lived. And what's interesting when you read these passages is you'll find something that resonates and speaks to you, and then you'll find something that doesn't resonate, something that's dated or something that just doesn't fully capture what it is perhaps we have grown to learn and understand. And there is a part of this that I happened to stumble upon that said that somehow um, nature, the earth, is inferior in some way, um, that not the highest form of creation um, on the planet, implying not diminishing it, but just not, not, it, it was diminishing it, actually. And perhaps I'm misinterpreting some of that because I just stumbled about upon it before the program. But I just want to mention that when we read things from the past, there are things that are going to synchronistically pop out because that's how I find these things. I just open to different passages and I find them. Now, I was specifically today looking for something in nature, but... We need to trust what we are guided to read. And you see one part that you say, okay, yes, that resonates. You see another part that you can say, no, that doesn't resonate. You don't have to expect that any writer, especially in the past where they lived within many limited ways of seeing things, 
you don't have to expect 100% resonance because otherwise we throw away really important synchronistic words that we'd really, really like to reflect upon. So let me see if I can find the passage that I opened to. Okay, here it is. This has to do with the omnipresence of God. It's in the spirit chapter of nature, chapter 7, or section 7, however this was put together. See how far. I'll go back a little farther. We have time today. But when, following the invisible steps of thought, we come to inquire, whence is matter and where to? Many truths arise to us out of the recesses of consciousness. We learn that the highest is present to the soul of man, that the dread universal essence which is, okay, now see, here's a part. I can't say if it resonates completely because I'm reading this very spontaneously because I'm not sure what he means by the dread universal essence, but let's go on. This is how you read something from the past. You evaluate it and say, what resonates, what doesn't, because I know there are sections in this that will. The dread universal essence, which is not wisdom or love, or beauty, or power, but all in one, and each entirely, is that for which all things exist, and that by which, that by which they are, that spirit creates, that behind nature, throughout nature, spirit is present, one and not compounded does not act upon us from without. That is in space and time, but spiritually or through ourselves, therefore, that spirit, that is the supreme being, does not build up nature around us, but puts it forth through us as the life of the tree puts forth new branches and leaves through the and leaves through the pores of the old as a plant upon the earth so a man rests upon the bosom of god he is nourished by unfailing fountains and draws at his need inexhaustible power who can set bounds to the possibilities of man? Once inhale the upper air, being admitted to behold the absolute natures of justice and truth, and we learn that man has access to the entire mind of the Creator, with a capital C, is himself the Creator in the finite. This view which admonishes me where the sources of wisdom and power lie and points to virtue as, quote, the golden key which opes the palace of eternity. And that is a reference to John Milton. Carries upon its face the highest certificate of truth because it animates me to create my own world through the purification of my soul now isn't that something i just read that i opened to that earlier the only part i had a concern about was the word dread why is that because this is a program that is very mindful about expressions of fear and so it made me uncomfortable when he said the dread universal essence because I would not call it the dread universal essence. There is nothing to fear. Yet everything else Ralph Waldo Emerson says 
is so much a part of how so many of us feel that you cannot be separated from the omnipresent divine, that we are co-creators, that we are here on earth to be creators. And that doesn't make us higher or they're, they're, it's not proud. It's not ego. That's so often misinterpreted. You're not, um, you're not competing with the divine. You're a part of the divine. You are beloved of the divine. You cannot be separated from the divine. And the divine is helping us through us. Now, the part where he talks about nature, um, that it's not around us, that it's through us, that is sublime. This is a beautiful passage about omnipresence because what it's telling us is we are inseparable and then also our infinite possibilities. This is what advancement would be. This is it. It's not competing with the world. It's not, you know, pillaging the world. It's not this reckless material rush forward. That's not advancement. That's like a child just rampaging around. Now, sure, you might learn some things. I mean, a child that's rather reckless, some children don't rampage, but we've all had energetic experiences with children, and they do explore. And sometimes, yeah, they can, you know, just not really know if they're knocking something down, or maybe we should consider a puppy instead and what they do. <laughs> um We have to change the way that we think about advancement. That is a very core point of my entire message, my work, my writing, my sharing, or much more writing to come, I'm sure, although I've written quite a bit. It's just not all out in the public domain. Someday. Maybe you'll be listening to this at a time when some of that writing is out more in the public domain. And I do intend to get more writing out. Now, of course, I've done a lot of writing that were in, was in unusual ways, such as forum writing and things like that I've talked about before. But this is a very profound, sublime passage. The next passage that I... I was this one I was hoping to find and it seems like every time I'm hoping to find it there it is and I always forget everything that it contains this is by Henry David Thoreau who lived 1817 to 1862 it's from how far to go. We must learn to reawaken and keep ourselves awake, not by mechanical aids, but by an infinite expectation of the dawn, which does not forsake us in our soundest sleep. I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestionable ability of man to elevate his life by a conscious endeavor. It is something to be able to paint a particular picture or to carve a statue and so to make a few objects beautiful. But it is far more glorious to carve and paint the very atmosphere and medium through which we look, which morally we can do, to affect the quality of the day that is the highest of arts. Every man is tasked to make his life, even in its details, worthy of the contemplation of his most elevated and critical hour. If we refused or rather used up such paltry information as we get, the oracles would distinctly inform us how this might be done. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, 
to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. Living is so dear. Nor did I wish to practice resignation unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life, to live so sturdily and Spartan-like as to put to rout all that was not life, to cut a broad swath and shave close, to drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms, and if it proved to be mean, why then to get the whole and genuine meanness of it and publish its meanness to the world, or if it were sublime, to know it by experience and be able to give a true account of it in my next excursion. I think I'll leave it at that. That was Henry David Thoreau, who he went to live in the woods, as he describes in that very famous passage. Um, There's certainly a part of it is often read from Walden see how we're doing in time. I actually made this show go a little bit longer um, than I usually do. So let's um, switch for a moment to a simple poem. This is just one I opened to, very simple. We read a variety of things on this program. Emily Dickinson, who lived from 1830 to 1886, Pink, small, and punctual. Aromatic, low. Covert in April. Candid in May. Dear to the moss. Known to the knoll. Next to the robin. In every human soul. Bold little beauty bedecked with thee. Nature forswears antiquity. It's the sweet little poem. What beauty do you observe? See, she was just observing beauty that came up every year. Perhaps where you are, it's spring. I know there are people listening from different parts of the world, and you may be coming into fall now. There's much beauty to be found in both seasons. Let's see what else. And there's no real plan to these things. I just, there are things that, oh, that's interesting. I wasn't planning to read this. Something wants to be read again. You've probably heard this as a song. So I'll read it because I turned right to it. Robert Burns, 1759 to 1796 is when he lived. And I just turned right to Sweet Afton. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braes. Flow gently, I'll sing thee a song in thy praise. My Mary's asleep by thy murmuring stream. Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. Thou stock dove whose echo resounds through the glen, ye wild whistling blackbirds in yon thorny den. Thou green-crested lapwing, thy screaming forbear, I charge you disturb not my slumbering fair. How lofty, sweet Afton, thy neighboring hills, for marked with the courses of clear winding rills, there daily I wander as noon rises high, my flocks and my merry sweet cotton my eye. How pleasant thy banks and green valleys below, where wild in the woodlands the primroses blow. There oft as mild evening weeps over the lea, the sweet-scented brook shades my Mary and me. Thy crystal stream, Afton, how lovely it glides, 
and wines by the cot where my Mary resides. How wanton thy waters her snowy feet laid, as gathering sweet flowerets she stems thy clear wave. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braes. Flow gently, sweet river, the theme of my lays. My Mary's asleep by thy murmuring stream. Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. Just a, I, you know, it was funny. I was thinking maybe Robert Burns, I would, was in that vicinity and here that just opened up so often there will be a bit of a poem we've heard or a song in this case perhaps and maybe only those of us who are older have heard this song I don't know but either way they originated this song this poem originated through the contemplation of water of beauty if you want to calm yourself and be mindful and breathe. Go by a lake. If you're in the city, go to a park. Find a stream. If you're fortunate to be in the country, find the water or the ocean. The ocean is so wonderful to just stand and reflect by. I have grave concerns about windmills and other things marring the beauty of the planet. Marring the beauty of our shorelines, of our mountains, of our meadows. We have not, we're rushing ahead again, not planned out at all. Birds dropping dead all around them, even eagles, beautiful birds, birds that that we want to preserve. We have not thought this through, and I believe that it will not succeed if you want my honest opinion. And it's already not succeeding because those of us who care about the environment are not happy about it. And now I've learned something new about the solar arrays I didn't know. I didn't realize those impact the birds so severely. We cannot continue this reckless industrial impulse and often the money-making part and then the poison part, the poison batteries, you think that you're saving the earth by getting some giant battery that needs to be replaced and charged and use all this electricity? How do you think it gets charged up? Where is that power coming from? From the windmills that are going to kill the birds and the whales. Then where is it going to be disposed of? Where is, are the minerals being mined from? Wake up. Wake up. Don't allow yourself to be put to sleep by some misleading dialogue. That's all it is, is meant to mislead. Yes, I'm, I am indignant about it because we haven't spent enough time thinking these things through and we're racing ahead and we're just going to poison and pillage more for something that will never even work. It's not been planned out. We're almost to the end of the show. I will go into overtime. If you're listening live, at last check, Blog Talk Radio was featuring this program live on the home page because it has been on the air a very long time. Thank you very much, Blog Talk Radio, for that. This program does normally air live at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. So I do welcome you being here next week where I expect to be back at my normal time. Typically, that's when I will be doing this show. Um, So Frontier Beyond Fear... Dot com is where you will find more information about the show and all the episodes and also some of the syndicates. Thank you. I'm so happy to be on Spotify now. I'm on TuneIn now. These are new syndicates. I've been on iHeartRadio quite a while. Um, there are several syndicates, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and um, multiple others, and there will be more. 
Now I've just turned to yet another poem that I was looking for and I hadn't found before the show. I wasn't looking specifically for this poem. But here is William Wordsworth, who lived 1770 to 1850. This is a rather sad poem. I've read it before. Repetition is important with poetry. Don't doubt it. That's why sometimes I do reread poems. And there's a reference to another, if I can find it, on my little note, because then I'll read two. But if I can't find it, I will just read one. One is a little lighter, actually much lighter, than the other. But I'm not finding it right away, so I I only read what I feel, feel led to read. Lines written in early spring. I heard a thousand blended notes while in a grove I sate reclined. In that sweet mode when pleasant thoughts bring sad thoughts to the mind. To her fair works did nature link the human soul that through me ran. And much it grieved my heart to think what man has made of man. Through primrose tufts in that green bower, the periwinkle trailed its wreaths. And tis my faith that every flower enjoys the air it breathes. The birds around me hopped and played, their thoughts I cannot measure. But but the least motion which they made, it seemed a thrill of pleasure. The budding twigs spread out their fan to catch the breezy air. And I must think, do all I can, that there was pleasure there. It, if this belief from heaven be sent, if, na- if such be nature's holy plan, have I not reason to lament what man has made of man? That's a powerful reflection. Contrasting nature's how we would live if we were in balance with nature not to say within nature there is predation there are predators and things yes and we can have we can sometimes have trouble understanding as to why that exists i know we all do but he's not talking about that in this poem He's talking about the peaceful aspects of early spring. And it is spring here from this place where I am talking, and I know it is spring for many of you. And for those of you where it's fall, find that beautiful place. Please come to terms with honesty about our future. Research and realize we have more work to do. To figure it out because we haven't yet how to to plan the future. I might also add that in that mining that's going on, many people are being treated abusively, including children, in parts of the wor- the world where they're being where these mines are expanding to um, create these poisonous batteries. Um, we need to be awake. We haven't solved anything yet. So, um, and that's an expression of love for the earth, to have honesty about our present and about where we may go, which I'm hopeful will be a miraculous place. So, Thank you to those of you listening across time in the podcast because I know those are you are the ones who are with me now since the live show has completed. Again, you will find me live again next Saturday, and I expect I'll be at my normal time, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern time on Blog Talk Radio. Go to FrontierBeyondFear.com to learn more about this show. Thank you for being here. Happy Earth Day. Take care, everyone. Let's love and cherish the planet. Let's find that space of honesty in our hearts to know 
that we have more work to do and we need to be conscious about it. So thank you again. Take care.